Second hour, Darren, Donnick, and Chase on this rainy Thursday morning. Darren McFarland, Chase McCabe alongside. Willie D is out in Denver tonight. It's the Preds and Avalanche. 8 o'clock puck drop. Pre-game at 7. Everything heard right here on 102.5 The Game. By the way, Jonu Smith, Titans tight end, will join us at 11.30. Keith Bullock, great linebacker for the Titans for a long time. Mr. Monday Night is on the line with us. Keith, how you doing? I'm doing great. How you fellas doing on this rainy Thursday? It is rain, rainy and cold, man. It's like no, it feels like November. Oh wait a minute, it is November. <laughs> y'all Football are inside, weather. so it, it's all good until you get out here in it. So it's all you know. As a player, relative. did the element what what did what did you think as a player? Cold, rain. What did, were you okay with it? Uh, they had to go through it too, so I didn't even put that in my mind. You know, that's just something to kind of take you out of your game. So I just looked at it. You know, the, they're not going to cancel the game, and the <laughs> opponent has to play in the same conditions. So I don't even worry about it. But I can't lie. Like you know, they're like you know that New England game up there um, back in '03 when it was like '04 uh, oh, yeah. when it was minus temperatures. Like there are parts throughout the day, especially at night games, where you're like, yo, if it's 10 degrees now at 8 o'clock at night, it's definitely going to be way colder. <laughs> so, you know, I, I prefer um, warm, like, I, I can do heat because you can always get an IV and, you know, um, I feel like my conditioning will be uh, up to par with the heat and the elements, but cold is cold, you know? Uh, Keith, I was at that game. I was in the warm press box, so I really can't complain oh, but you know when they show the, the the stupid fans the drunk fans on the jumbotron you can usually it doesn't matter cold they've been drinking all day that you can see them with no shirts i think they showed we got one shot during the course of that game of one patriots fan that just tells you how cold it is only one idiot in the stand with his no shirt off or with no shirt on for that game of course probably spent the next three weeks in the hospital you know. Yeah, well, I, I bet if it was in Buffalo, it would have been more than one. I <laughs> you're probably right. You're probably right. I remember talking to Neil O'Donnell after that game, and I said, you know, because you know McNair was banged up, and he was having a hard time moving around in the fourth quarter. He could barely break the huddle. And I said, did you did you want to go in? Did you think you were going in? And he looked at me, and he said, are you kidding me? Hell no. <laughs> He's like, I couldn't even feel my body. I've been sitting there for three quarters. I couldn't feel anything. That sounds like Neil. That's about right. That's how it goes. <laughs> <laughs> so you've been watching this team. We've been following your tweets on social media. So the the Titans sit here in a spot they don't want to be in, but they're four and five, and they've got Kansas City this week. When you've watched them to this point, what do you see? Um, to this point, you know, I see a team with a very, very good defense. Um, they've been playing good defense all year, but, it, um, you know, offensively, they just haven't been able to get any consistency. And, um, you know, you could talk about the quarterback play as much as you want, but just as the whole, you know, unit moves and works together, it just doesn't, um, it hasn't been consistent. You know, you look at last game, you know, it was, they're usually a good team against the penalties, and it was the penalties that was killing them. Um, you know, I find like they put themselves in situations where they're always digging out of a hole. Like they're never really in position to uh, play with a lead and really command and take control of a football games. And they haven't really done that too much this year. I mean, but look, they're still in a good spot. Um, you know, I'm sure they would like to be in a better spot, but um, 
I feel like they'll beat Kansas City. You know, I feel like this is the type of team where they'll put together a game plan. If, you know, they pay attention to Kansas City, you know, the way to, to beat them is to go at them and keep their offense off the field. And I feel like when the Titans are clicking, they do a great job of ball control, utilizing the run and the play action um, to, to to put points on the board and, you know, keep opposing offenses off the field. And, you know, with with this um, team that's coming in, you know, if those three and outs from the offense will really, really um, put the defense in a hole because they're going to have to play against so much speed and so much talent. And um, I think it's on the offense's shoulders this week, um, you know, to 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 bring this game home for the Titans. Interesting. Uh, you know in the heyday, back in the day, that um, de- your, the defenses that you were part of were best in the league. They were fantastic. And you knew what they were going to do on the other side of the ball. No matter who the opponent was, they were still going to give the ball to Eddie George. And Eddie was going to yeah. run, run, run. It seems like this team struggles on week to week on whether, whether or not they want to pound Derrick Henry or not. When you see Derrick Henry, because you played with Eddie George – and they were similar, just big bruising backs. What are you? What do you see? Like, why do you think there's a hesitation? Like I said, back in the day, you know Jeff Fisher and what you guys were doing on the offensive side of the ball. You knew Eddie was going to get his carries. He was going to get 20, 25, even maybe even more throughout the course of the game, depending on how right. it was playing out. Why? Why the reluctance to to have you know Derrick Henry get too many of these fourteen and fifteen carry games out of him? Uh, I think the game, well, the game has definitely changed in that um, respect. But then at the same time, I feel like that falls on on the coordinator. Um, like I said, Indianapolis, they went up to Kansas City and and handled um, and handled them. And what they did, they ran at them. You know, they uh, Max, the running backs for the Colts, got the ball uh, twenty nine. I believe it was twenty nine times, and he ran for one hundred and thirty two yards. Uh, why the Titans don't utilize that. I think, um, you know, to be quite frank, a lot of times they find themselves in bad situations where, um, you know, they'll get a good game and then there's a penalty. So now it's first and 15, or they're usually playing in, you know, second and longs and third and longs. So to really get the running game going consistently and sticking with it, I think, um, you know, the offensive coordinator might get a little discouraged when he feels like, all right, now he has to get back a chunk of yardage. So we're playing from a third and manageable situation. But I, I personally feel you know, at least from last game, that's last couple games, that's what I saw. But I honestly truly don't know why they um, do not attempt to feed Derrick Henry because, of, as we all have seen, um, defenses wear down towards the end of the game. Um, McCaffrey breaking that run last week wasn't because, you know, you know, he was killing and torching the Titans' defense. It was because, look, the defense in the fourth quarter eventually broke down. He found the seam and a great back like that. You know, he's been doing it all year. And we see that we have a back like that on our side um, in Derrick Henry. Like you said, he's a bigger back, um, and you wouldn't expect for him to be able to hit the home run. But we all know that he can, and I don't know and don't understand why he's not featured to get to other aspects of the offense such as a John New Smith and um uh Brown into the into the mix. We're talking to Keith Bullock, former Titans linebacker. He's here with us on Darren Donick and Chase. And Keith, having played the linebacker position uh for so long, you, you look at what the Titans have now and Evans and Landry and, and Jayon Brown, 
how beneficial is it going to be once Jeffrey Simmons really starts to come into his own to have him in front of those guys to be able to open up the lanes for the linebackers like Albert Hainsworth and others were able to do for you? Well, we play in um, a totally different defense. Um, you know, they're in a 3-4, and we played a 4-3. So, you know, I don't know how their D-line is coached, but our D-line definitely was coached not to hold anybody up. You know what I'm saying for me? So that's why you see Albert being able to have the type of seasons that he was able to have once he got the grasp of the defense. But, yo, Jeffrey Simmons, um, he's going to be a beast. You know, just to get out there off of uh, a Thursday practice, uh, a midseason Thursday practice, and go out there and make a play to affect the cause of the game and to just keep getting um, better and better each game. When I say better, um, you know, with more reps, he's only going to get better. He's going to get healthier when that, when that knee starts to come around. Um, but as far as the linebackers go, I, the linebackers could totally benefit off of a guy like that. Um, you know, Jarrell Casey is still there. You see how, um, you know, Jarrell is able to still do things later in his career. So I honestly, to actually get back to your original question, I don't know that their defense is structured for the D-line to um, complement the linebackers in the, in the sense that you're speaking of. But they complement the linebackers in the sense that, you know, Rashad is a sideline-to-sideline player. Jayon has been showing his um, – coverage skills a lot this year and being able to affect passes and, and, and those things. So, And obviously we know what's going on in the back end. I think those guys with Vaccaro, Logan, and Bayer do a great job of communicating. So this defense is a time for them to gel now because obviously nothing was picked up in free agency. But when you get a first-rounder like Simmons midway through the season with fresh legs, it might as well be a brand-new player um, to your defense. Keith, I can remember back in the day of, you know, before I even got into the media business of being a fan, I could look at this Titans team and I could tell you who the leaders in that locker room were. You just saw it on the field and in the community. When you look at this current Titans team, does it stand out to you who the leaders are? Um, You know, I, I definitely see Kevin Bayard as a, a consistent leader. Definitely seen Wesley Willier as a leader, although he's not on the forefront anymore. But you know what he's done in the past, and for them to keep him on the team, um, you know, I, I definitely see him playing a leadership role. But look, I don't know what goes on in that locker room. And obviously, we know the most vocal people are the people that are always on the interviews and, and whatnot. Um, I feel on my team, my team's, um, you know, leadership was kind of done led by example like you put it on the field and then you know you get guys to respond there and then if guys aren't responding you know we handle things different within the locker room um or in the practice facility i mean or on the practice field you know uh back then like it wasn't really about like i didn't care about being my teammates friend you know it would be great if, if it works out and we're friends off the field but i know that we were here to do a job you know when i got into the league i was with you know, Bruce Matthews and Eddie and all those legends, and they were fresh off of a Super Bowl loss. So it was a no BS type of mentality um, when I got here, and I tried to hold that down, and I felt like I did as much as possible. And I just think the league is different now in a sense because everybody wants to be liked, and, you know, everyone, not everyone is, um, you know, up for telling people what really needs to be heard in order to come to one common goal. And in the NFL, it's all about wins. And um, 
I don't know, with social media and all this stuff, uh, it's it's a totally different game. So I think it was easier um, back when I played to really kind of get to people um, without really taking their feelings into consideration. Obviously, you know, off the field, we're all it's 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 one thing, but on the field, man, like you know, we all have something to do, and it's hard to be a leader, especially a vocal leader, um, if you aren't 100% on your assignment. So you can't be out there messing up and, you know, coming back and trying to get on somebody about them doing their job. So it's tough being a leader um, in any aspect of, of work or life, football or, you know, regular workforce. Amen to that. You are dead on right. Hey, good to talk to you. Thanks for doing this. We really appreciate it. We always want to get your perspective, and uh, let's do it again down the road soon. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks for having me. All right, that is former Titans linebacker Keith Bullock. And uh, some interesting stuff in there. We will come back more with Darren Donick and Chase. Like I said, John U. Smith, Titans tight end at the bottom of the hour. More coming on ESPN 102.5, the game. But I honestly truly don't know why they um, do not attempt to feed Derrick Henry because, of, as we all have seen, um, defenses wear down towards the end of the game. Um, McCaffrey breaking that run last week wasn't because, you know, you know, he was killing and torching the Titans' defense. It was because, look, the defense in the fourth quarter eventually broke down. He found the seam, and a great back like that, you know, he's been doing it all year. And we see that we have a back like that on our side um, in Derrick Henry. Like you said, he's a bigger back, um, and you wouldn't expect for him to be able to hit the home run, but we all know that he can. And I don't know and don't understand why he's not featured to get to other aspects of the offense such as a John New Smith and um uh Brown into the into the mix. There you go, Keith Bullock. Like that's been one of the perplexing things, kinda of going back to our discussion of what's the identity. It seems like they struggle with that. Not sure what to do with Derrick Henry. I don't know at this point. I thought we saw last year in that four week window what to do with him, especially against a Carolina team that was, what, 27th in the league. Kansas City's worse against the run than Carolina, right? What are they, 28th, 29th? Yep. Yards against yards per attempt, they're 28th. So you can absolutely run on them. Yeah. and But, what I mean, what gives you any type of confidence that they're going to do that? I mean, Because it, everybody's questioned it all week about why they did that against Carolina. And then, of course, came out right out of the second half, right out of halftime and just Right, yeah. ran it down their throat for a touchdown, and it's like everybody's going, um, why didn't you do that before? I just feel like sometimes they have, and I'm not going to say Derrick Henry's a Ferrari, but they, they have a fast car, and they just go, they ride around in the right lane and do about 55, and they're just they're not using all the horsepower that they have with Derrick Henry. Well, how many more people have to say, that he is about wearing people down. I mean, Keith Bullock just said, yeah. I mean, that, that's what he just, by the way, he, we broke down that McCaffrey long run was yeah. what? I mean, that's that's just a product of, he just said it. He played defense his whole career. Defense going to get tired. Defense is going to get tired, especially if the offense hasn't been effective and they're out there all the time. Yeah. He's like, they're going to wear down. They're going to, and that's how these things happen. And Derrick Henry is a, a prototypical guy that is going to, Eddie George did that his entire career where you would see, if he had nothing going in the first half and you're like, that ah, doesn't look like it's going to be an Eddie, Eddie type of day, and then he gets one here, gets one there in the second half, and then by the fourth quarter, he's going 14 yards, 19 yards, 
nine yards, and then all of a sudden it's just rack, you know, and then he's up over 100. And it's like, oh, my gosh, how did he get to that? He had 26 yards at half. Yeah. I, it's just they have to – it's what Nick Saban told – Told us all, and at, that was the next. I was just like, yeah. Nick Saban, Keith Bully. It's like, how many more people have to come on here and tell us? You it's gotta like, just stick keep feeding with him the football, it. and stick he with will. It. Right, he will he'll get going. Yeah, it'll eventually happen. Because I think what people don't look at sometimes is Derrick Henry is a smart football player. He is able to study things, and so when he's in a game, and you're handing him the football off over and over again, he's able to find the holes that he can get through. But it takes some time. I mean, he has to he has to do it. He has to be out there. It's not just looking at something on film to find a, a way to exploit what's in front of him on the defensive front. He has to be out there doing it. And over time, you know, when you're running into a brick wall like Derrick Henry, I mean, you're going to wear down. He also knows that. So I just don't understand why this team – gets away from that, and that goes back to the whole conversation about what is their identity. Their identity should be that you have a you know a brick wall of a running back that you need to use because he's going to be effective. They just they like, ah, he's not working. Let's go do something else. You don't have that type of quarterback that's going to be able to make big plays. Even though Tannehill's play has been better than Mariota's, you can't rely on that. When- well, the, by the way, I thought that was interesting when you brought up Mariota to Kansas City at the end of Soren Petro interview in the first hour. I've often thought, you know, and of course it, he brought up Chicago too. I mean those yeah. those two, Matt Nagy and Andy Reid, those well, two and make a Mark lot Helfridge of sense. Mark Helfridge is in Chicago as the offensive coordinator. So honestly, Chicago makes way more sense now if he wants to go and just sit and learn. Um, you know, Kansas and, and maybe Mahomes. This is the start of him getting banged up every year, and he's going to miss. Three or four games that can happen, but obviously, you know the Trubisky thing is on thin ice, yeah. and who knows how long they're going to s- stick with Trubisky. I mean, I think I, I he would, needs to go be a backup next year, and I think Kansas City makes the most sense. I don't think anybody's going to give him an up. I mean, do you see an, a, a starting no. job opportunity? But you keep bringing up Chicago. Chicago would give him the best chance because Trubisky. You don't know what. Well, it's a, to be the backup and eventually quickly get an opportunity to be the starter like this the opposite could happen to him in chicago that happened here well in other words you don't need the injury to get playing time like they may just benching right that's what i'm talking about happen in chicago that's what where kansas city you have no chance i mean the the only way you're getting in the game is either a route and a blowout or mahomes is hurt that's it yeah but i think you look at Alex Smith, for instance. Alex Smith, you know, struggled mightily the first, you know, few years of his career. He gets hooked up with Harbaugh and all of a sudden things start to click. He goes to Kansas City with Andy Reid and he goes to a completely different level. I'm not saying Mariota will do that necessarily, but I I kid, but I think it's the truth. Andy Reid has the quarterback rehabilitation program. It's just like Nick Saban. When coaches go and they they're an assistant with Nick Saban, they it kind of revives their career because they they can learn some things. I think that that Mariota could do that under Andy Reid. I also think he could do that under Doug Peterson in Philadelphia. I think he could do that under Nagy and and Helfridge in Chicago. So there are some options for him. Frank Reich and Indy. That's not a bad one either. So they're gonna there are going to be options. I just think the best thing for him would be go plan to be a backup for a year. Chicago, you could have a better chance of of getting back in there, but. 
you know, if you go to Kansas City, as long as Mahomes is healthy, you're good. You can just learn, practice. Andy Reid can can help him, and then who knows? He might have a. By the way, Carolina too, because who knows what what's going to happen Turner. with with Cam Newton? That's true. I mean, there will definitely be opportunities for sure. I mean, for him to sit there as the backup and then get an oper- another oper- you know another opportunity to to get in there. Yeah. There there will be plenty of spots that make sense. But I don't, you know, who knows. And I think honestly my assessment is Mariota short windows would be good for him. Like I think he could have success in short windows. I do. Yeah. I think so. Like there are certain guys that it's like Ryan Fitzpatrick, right? I mean, he's built for short windows. He's not built for 16, which is the definition of a top uh, backup, backup quarterback. Yeah. yeah, I mean, short you, windows. It's like if you need him for four games, that's your guy. I mean, Matt Moore is a is a prime example. We'll find out if Kyle Allen is built for short windows or if he can actually mm. sustain this. I, mm. I don't know. I don't know. I, I have don't know you know, Minshew went what four and four. Yep. But there's a little bit of a difference because. Kyle Allen, this was what, year two? Well, he he had one game last year. But he was still around. Yeah. He was still around. Yeah. I mean, Minshew, you're you know, is a rookie, so I think there's a little bit of a difference there. But yeah, I I just I feel like that the that's kind of what Mariota is going to be, but you know, you you never know. I mean, he could go to Chicago, play for his old college coach as the OC. The Trubisky thing doesn't work out, and by game four or five, he's the starter. Who knows? Pro football reference, I was just looking at a tweet they put out there, the highest percentage of passes dropped. Do you know what quarterback, you might have seen this? A quarterback has the highest percentage of passes dropped? Um, You're talking about just this year? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Up to the, to this point in the season. Teddy Bridgewater. Bridgewater? That's... Said the most, the highest percentage of passes dropped, followed by... Two guys tied for second. Tannehill. Baker Mayfield and Dak Prescott. Huh. Tied for fourth, Marcus Mariota. Hmm. Now, now hold on. Now, listen to this. This is where it's interesting. This is why I brought it up. So, he was tied for fourth, Mariota. Okay? Now, how about the lowest percentages of passes dropped? Who do you think is number one? Okay. I'll, I'll guess Tannehill. Tannehill. Hmm. Interesting. Aaron Rodgers second. Well, the guys you named, and I don't know, I don't know as much about Mariota on this, but Prescott and Bridgewater have always been known for throwing throwing the ball hard. Mm-hmm. Well, so does Aaron Rodgers. And Aaron Rodgers, but but Aaron Rodgers got the lowest, uh, second lowest. I wonder if that's something he's worked on. Tannehill, lowest percentage of passes dropped. Because I would have brought Mariota up, was tied for fourth for the most highest percentage of passes dropped. Where's Breeze on that list? Or is he on it? I, I, that, I just have the top four gotcha. in front of me. All right, we'll come back. Should have Janu Smith, Titans tight end, join us next on ESPN 1025 The Game. Remember, we'll have four and a half hours of pregame coverage leading you up to Titans Chiefs, Nissan Stadium, noon kickoff. On Sunday, our coverage starts at 7 in the morning until 11.30 a.m. Of course, the final two hours will be at George Jones downtown 
on 2nd Avenue. We say hello and a good rainy Thursday morning to Titans tight end Janu Smith, who's on the line with us. Janu, how you doing? Hey, how you doing? Doing fantastic. Thanks for joining us. Yeah, my pleasure, my pleasure. You know, your position has garnered a lot more attention over the years, uh, last couple years to be exact, of, you know, just people want to, they're actively going out there and trying to get that guy for tight end. It's, it's become a real weapon in today's NFL offense. So yeah. when you look around the league, John, what, you, you, there's going to be a guy across the way on Sunday that is arguably the best in the league in Travis Kelsey. Who are some of the guys you look at or have looked at in the past where you say, you know what, I like what they bring to the table when it comes to your position? Uh, a lot of guys, man. Um, you know, I got, you know, arguably the best in my, in my locker room. You yep. know what I mean? I, I, get, I get to sit with them and, <clears throat> and learn from them every day. So um, that was a luxury uh, uh, that I was, you know, fortunate to have coming in um, as a rookie, you know, learning from a guy like Delaney that, you know, kind of has the same skill set, um, you know, as I do. So um, just a guy like Delaney, um, like you said before, Travis Kelsey, um, you know, uh, there's so many guys, man, that has, you know, taken this position to another level. Um, you know, that aren't traditionally the uh, 6'6 and 2870, 80-pound tight ends. You know, just a smaller frame guys. Jordan Reed, um, you know, has just used their athleticism. And, uh, you know, Vernon Davis. And, and the list goes on. I, I can say her name guys all day. You know what I mean? And, uh, you know, it's just uh, just, just taking, um, you know, a bit of their game and just applying it to my game so that I can be the best player I can be. So Yeah. By the way, that's a good answer. Uh, and I agree with you. So what what has it been like uh in your three you now that you're you know sitting here firmly the halfway point in year three of your professional career, having a guy like Delaney Walker that you can bounce so much off of and learn from day in and day out? It's awesome, man. It is awesome. It's really a blessing. I always say that. You know, this guy's got a lot of experience in the league. And uh just just to be able to pick his brain, um, you know, it gives me a, a huge advantage. Um, you know, this guy you know, like I said before, it's been around for so long, so he's seen about everything. Uh, he knows what to expect. And uh, I just try to uh, keep my, my ears wide, you know, my mouth closed, and you know, soak, up, soak up as much information I can. I remember us talking to you at training camp in your rookie year. So you're going into your first NFL training camp, going into your first NFL preseason, and just yeah. talking about, you know, what was in store for you. So just harken back to that two and a half years ago and to where you are today. How much more comfortable, how much have you learned? And when you always hear players talk about the game slowing down, to this point in your career, is that true? Is the game slowing down? Just, that's very true. That's very true. But uh, the great thing about about that is um, it could be much slower. <laughs> you know, so... Uh, <laughs> I got a, I got a, I got a lot, 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 lot more to go, man. I got a, a, a long path ahead of me. I'm looking forward to it, man. I'm bracing and I love the game. I love to play. I love to get better. I love to learn. I love to progress. And most importantly, um, you know, help my team win. Um, so uh, I'm just, uh, you know, looking for, uh, looking forward to all the things, you know, that that I can learn that, that can make me a better player, man. And uh, like, you know, I'm sure at that time as a rookie, I didn't know what to expect. You know, I was. 21 years old um you know i'll be 25 next year so uh just having those uh you know couple of years in this game is you know already giving me an advantage and like i said before um there's so much more that i can learn and that's what i'm looking forward to yeah uh 
How do you handle more people talking about you? Do you even care? Just be honest, because you know, you know, a lot of no, players like I don't care, man. but you do care. Do you yeah. care if people talk about nah, you? I, I, honestly, man, like this is what you got to understand. One thing I've learned at this level, uh, professionally, and uh, you know, the entertainment business <laughs> is, uh, you know, they 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 with you when you high, you know, they hate you when you low. <laughs> so you got to stay, <laughs> you got to stay even killed, man. That's just what you got to do. So, um, you know, it's always not as good as it seems and it's always not as bad as it seems so uh you just got to stay uh poised you got to stay at one level and that's how kind of how that's the approach i take when it comes to um you know uh people on the outside you know what i mean you know i I appreciate the love and support you know the fans always man you know those in my opinion they will make they are the reason that makes this game so great and so um you know amplified so um like i said i love the fans but uh you know you can't really feed into you know all of the you know, things that are being said about you, man, because, like I said, it's really never true either way it goes. So uh, I just stay even clear, man. Well said. By the way, is that how hard is it to do it? Is it easier said than done, or is it – how hard is it man, to do it, that? No, it, it's extremely hard because we live in a world where social media changes our lives. <laughs> yeah. It changes our lives. Like, you look on your phone and there's a Twitter notification that somebody from the other side of the country talking about how you're the worst player in the world. You know what I mean? It's like, what? Like, you can't look at your phone. Like, it's like on one, you know, you open up your phone and one notification is, you know, a missed call from your mom. And then the next one is like somebody telling you you didn't get them any fantasy points this week. It's crazy. <laughs> so, it, you know, it's crazy, man. So, you know, it's just the world that we live in today. But, um, like, I, uh, I mean, you know, social media can be used for a lot of positive things. Don't get me wrong. But, um, you know, that's just, that's, just part that, that's just the part that comes with it, man. So, uh, you know, it, it is hard, you know, because you, you try to live, like, your personal life. And, you know, you maybe just want to go on Twitter or Instagram and check on your friends and just, you know, just see what's going on. But, you know, you've got a million people uh, bashing you or a million people rooting for you. You know what I mean? Like, like I said, it goes both ways, man. So, but it, it comes to We're talking to Johnny Smith, Titans tight end, here in Darren Donick and Chase. And, you know, I always like to study chemistry and kind of how that thing works between two players. And, it you know not that you didn't have it with Marcus it just seems like with Ryan Tannehill now uh, at quarterback you guys seem to be on the same page and have a connection and I know with Delaney out of the lineup that obviously helps that along but it seemed to be pretty instant what was it that made the chemistry work between you and Ryan um you know I, man like I, I mean like I feel like I got you know chemistry you know with Marcus as well you know what I mean I just um you know just I things just go in, in that direction, man. You know, like, you know, this game unfolds in a lot of different ways, and that's just the way it's been unfolding right now. Um, you, know, we, you know, we got two great quarterbacks, but obviously, you know, um, you know that, that whole conversation is, is out of our hands, you know what I mean? But, um, you know, uh, right now, you know, we, we just, we're just clicking, and, uh, you know, we got to get everybody clicking, and I think uh, we're going in that direction. So, uh, I'm just trying to be better, man. Like I, like I said, I'm just trying to be the best player I can be for this team, and um, you know, put my put myself in a position, make as many plays as possible for these guys. You you obviously knew Arthur Smith from being your position coach, but now that he is running the entire offense, what what else have you been able to learn from Arthur Smith now that he's the OC? Um, just so much, man. The the guy is, is a genius, man. I don't think a lot of, he doesn't get enough credit for that. Um, you know, people uh, for people who doesn't know him, the guy's a genius, man. You know, he's coming from the defensive side. Um, the balls in his early in the, in, the, in his earlier years as a uh, a coach in his league, 
And, uh, you know, I think that's giving him a huge advantage uh, to scheme up against um, defenses. And, uh, you know, he sees it from a different perspective. Uh, so, you know, Art's great, man. You know, he's a great coach, but even a better person. Um, and I'm just thankful for having him. Team, man. I'm glad that he, you know, was given opportunity. And, uh, um, you know, that I know, you know he's taking advantage of it. So. John, it was something that, you know, you were talking about earlier about just playing, you know, playing the tight end position and how much it's changed over the years. You know, you, you mentioned being a receiving tight end or being a blocking tight end. I see you out there and it's like I, I feel like everyone has that competitive juice of give me the ball. I want the football. How do you balance that when you know it's going to be a play that you got to go get your block somewhere and maybe the ball's not coming your way? That's part of the game. Um, you know, if you don't, everything's not going to go your way every play. Um, but, you know, honestly, man, winning is uh, – you are not here to win while you're here. You know what I mean? And, uh, you know, I got full confidence and, you know, full trust you know, in this organization that, you know, they're going to do whatever it takes to win. So I'm called to block on the play. I know it's for the betterment of the team. Uh, you know, I'm going to do it as if, you know, I am getting the ball. It's that same type of, um, you know, uh, energy in me. You know what I mean? So I don't care what I'm called to do as long as I'm, you know, helping this team win. Uh, did Kevin Byard give you any grief over uh, the whooping in uh, Murfreesboro? A no. lot, man. Don't even bring that up. I'm man. sorry. Well, that's why I'm doing it, Johnny. That's why I'm doing that's it at the crazy. end, man. Right before we say it's goodbye. The interview, man. We ain't talking about. I know, just but nah, 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 nah. Yeah, yeah man. They, they, they got us. They got us. Um, they got us. But uh, tell KB to cut on that film. My sophomore year, they was up on us twenty-one to three before half. I had three touchdowns. I can't remember. I had like over one something, but. You know, we tell them to cut that film off. But uh, that's what we joke about. We joke about that a lot, man. But, um, yeah, they, they got us this time. But, but we'll be back. We'll be back stronger than our conference. We're going to see them a lot. So, you know, I got full confidence in my guy. Hey, you got the lane train. You guys got FAU this weekend. So, Lane Kiffin. Yeah, 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 man. It's FAU eight week. You know what I mean? So, we we, we, we got we got to have a different chip on our shoulder this week. I got to let those guys know. Well, see, I brought that up at the end of the interview. That's a veteran move on my part, right before we say goodbye. <laughs> hey, good to talk to you. Best of luck on Sunday. Go get a win oh, against the Chiefs. You guys, man. Appreciate you, baby. Thank you. All right, that is Titans tight end Johnu Smith. And MTSU in the That's second fun. half, did Yeah, he was. Yeah. That was good. Uh, MTSU had, had their way with FIU. Yeah, By the way, he did, because I remember having that conversation with him in training camp, and he made sure to bring up that game against MTSU. He carved them up. Up. Yep, it's what I love about professional football. Like, and you've been in the locker room for for years. Of when there is that, you know, you have the college rivalries that that pop up, and you have some trash talking and chirping between guys. I mean, I know the Alabama, you know, the few Alabama guys in there that everybody goes after. It's always fun to witness that, though. And you know, FIU, FAU, Hate Week, as you brought up, yeah. MTSU, FIU. So pretty cool. That is. That was good stuff from Johnny Smith. We'll come back, put a bow on the second hour of Darren, Donnie, and Chase. Don't forget, silly underdog picks coming up at noon right here on ESPN 1025, the game. All right, you heard the cue to call, and you heard who it was, and the lines blew up. And unlike yesterday, for whatever reason, Smitty, Craig Smith, it took a while, man. It did. People struggled. They, they, they took at least – 10 calls yesterday. I mean, the lines were going nuts. Today, a little bit faster. And I've got to be honest, it was kind of layup city. First day was what? Matt Deshane. Pekka. 
Pekka. I mean, those were two layups. It was like the first caller, boom. Then we get Craig Smith, and it was like, whoa. And I figured that still would be really easy. So I'm thinking, okay, this guy's been around just like Craig Smith. But I'm thinking if Craig Smith was difficult, will Colton Sissons be difficult? Nope. Boom. Right away. Justin and Hermitage. Congratulations. Justin Hermitage. Max, was that the first caller? Yeah, first caller today. You guys nailed it. So Justin is qualified. That is the key word. Qualified for this big, gigantic trip that we are giving away. Courtesy of Outback presents round trip airfare to Dallas, hotel accommodations to Dallas, tickets to see Leonard Skinner at American Airlines Center on New Year's Eve, and, of course, tickets to the Winter Classic to see the Predators and the Stars at the Cotton Bowl on New Year's Day. So Justin is qualified. The grand prize winner will be announced on Friday, November 15th during uh, Jared and the GM at 5.30 p.m. 5.30 p.m. on Friday, November 15th. So you will continue to keep having opportunities. Your next chance today will be at three during the 3 o'clock hour of the afternoon show. You'll have another chance. A cue to call from a player. Identify that player. Dial the digits 737-1025, and if you correctly guess it, like Justin and Hermitage did, you will be qualified for that trip. So every day you get three cracks at it, 7 o'clock hour during morning drive, 11 o'clock hour during our show, and 3 o'clock hour during the afternoon show. So three cracks at it this week and all next week. So congrats. We'll have another chance tomorrow before we wrap up the first week of that good good conversation with johnny smith yeah that was really good that was i mean you can tell that he is um fitting in here in year three and i mean look i asked him the question about the chemistry with Tannehill, and not meaning any disrespect to marcus because i know he, he had that too but i just feel like that they are definitely on the same page there's just there's something about that that has worked Delaney Walker of course out of the lineup that that definitely helps things but those two got a lot of reps together in training camp you can just tell that there's there's instant chemistry and that Ryan Tannehill feels comfortable with Johnny Smith similar to the way Marcus Mariota felt comfortable with Delaney Walker so so that's been good to see and I think that's led to some success early on we're seeing that position form a more prominent role Across the board, around the league. I mean, just think about it. I mean, yeah. Travis Kelsey is a huge weapon for the Chiefs' offense. George Kittle, yep. San Francisco is undefeated. George Kittle is a huge weapon for that 49ers offense. Zach Ertz has been that for Philadelphia, yeah. hasn't been this year, had a great week last week in their win over the Bears. But really, that's like his first big week. So they I don't Goddard know. Too, yeah, they they Dallas Goddard. And so I don't know. If this is the beginning Jason of Witten. the end, I don't know for Zach Ertz, but Zach Ertz has been a huge weapon in that Philadelphia. You had two tight ends go in the in the draft this year in Nashville, right? Hawkinson and Fant. Yep. Didn't they go? They both went in the first round, did they not? I believe. I know so, Hawkinson yeah. did. Noah Fant went to didn't, Denver. Didn't he go to Denver late in the first? He was. I'm pretty sure. Yeah. You had O.J. Howard. Yep. With the Bucks just came to town. O.J. Howard was drafted in the first I round. I don't like how they use him. I, I Well, he's had an awful year this year. Yeah, he's not I, even being used. He's been hurt. Yeah. He's had an I awful year. I thought he year. would have a much better career. Because he, he's somebody that I wanted here. 
I, I wanted them to to draft him here. I really liked him. Hunter Henry, the Chargers yep. came here. He was drafted high. You've got Evan Ingram in New York with the Giants. So the point is, is that position just continues to be very important for teams because they are drafting these guys not like in the mid-rounds like they used to. They're drafting them in the first round. And the reason I bring this up as well is I was actually looking at Matt Miller, who we usually talk around draft time. He does a really good job of covering the NFL draft, right? Yeah. Matt Miller, we'll have him on several times in the offseason. He's got really good stuff. Do you know who he currently has number one on his tight end board? Uh, Bryson Hopkins. Bryson Hopkins. Yeah. No, Max, you're incorrect. Yeah. It is not oh, Bry- Bryson's- the, big, the big target over at Vanderbilt. Nope. No, Bry- Bryson, and I, he's going in the first round. Well, that's what he had him projected. Yeah, he, he's you know what team he round. had him? I, I wouldn't even and know. He, you know. He's projecting out like they'll probably have the 31st or 32nd pick. The Patriots? The Patriots. <laughs> that wouldn't suck. Uh, hey, well, if I guess if everything stays how it is. <laughs> so. Right, if Brady retire, says, I'm retired, I'm retiring, but... Nah, Brady's not retiring. He said 45. He's not retiring. Tom Brady has a better chance of playing for another team next season than he does retiring at the end of the season. That's what I say. But yeah, he had him as a late first-round pick. I mean, look, he's he's been projected that way by others. That and you watch his, you know, watch his year. Look at his stats for Purdue this year. I mean, he's definitely playing like it. And we've, you know, we've talked to Brad, you know, to B Hop a few times and um about him and you know he's he's told us that but you see it the eye test is there and then you have other you know the draft experts that are putting him there so there's no doubt it's pretty cool um pretty cool to watch that journey just you know being so close to home we're gonna have silly underdog picks coming up at the third hour i was actually watching some coverage on espn them talking about college football and of course we'll be picking games for this week in college football kirk herb street discussing the Florida State opening and one of the coaches that he specifically was talking about and as we know PJ Fleck was on that list well he just signed a seven-year deal to stay in Minnesota got a raise got his assistance a raise yep doesn't look like Urban Meyer right is going to go there um or was it Bob I'm sorry Bob Stoops Stoops yeah did Bob did Stoops, Bob Stoops- he was the one that the local news station was reporting. It was almost done, and Bob Stoops was like, "That's that's hooey fooey." Yeah, essentially. Yeah, yeah, but who he was talking about was Mark Stoops, and so as that continues to be put out there, and more people are talking about Mark Stoops, you do wonder: Will that affect, for example, like the game this week? He's still a human being. Yeah, and if there's things going on behind the scenes. Well, I think I, and because the, they're playing Tennessee, right, in Lexington. And the reason I say that is because if you remember, I was the person on the station that came in here and told you uh, Western has already got yeah. their coach. There's going to be a press conference today, and they've had him, right. So, in other words, he came to Nashville to take on Vanderbilt when he was the OC at Tennessee, and, and he, he already was, knew he was out the door, right. Going to go be a head coach. He's going to go be head coach, and what happened? They got and they got carved up. And I'm not saying that had anything. To, I'm just, they're human beings. And when the stuff starts going on where you're getting distracted from what you're normally doing with yeah. talking to your agent and talking to your family and, you know, doing stuff behind the scenes. And I, I don't know if how 
high up Mark Stoops is on the list. It would, I mean, I get it. The guy can That'd recruit. That'd be interesting. In yeah, Florida, he's always been able to recruit. Know, I mean, the guy can recruit, and he has done but things so really Kentucky. Tiger. Yeah, but, you know, he's done it. I would say, Mark, when you have a season like that at yeah. Kentucky last year, and they've been pretty consistent here in this little stretch, early on I wasn't sure about Mark Stoops, but you talk You're to right. people, they're they're getting the talent in there. He is recruiting. He is, he's done something really smart. He's done the opposite of what I think Kentucky coaches in the past have tried to do, where they've tried to go to Georgia and Florida. You still have to do all that stuff, those fertile grounds, and try to compete with everybody. Where he's like, you know what? I think I'm just going to go up north. I'm just going to go up in Ohio and Michigan and Pennsylvania. And those do just the opposite. Rather than always trying to go south, we're going to go south, but we're also going to go up north. And he's been plucking guys out of Ohio and Michigan and stuff. And that's really worked out well for them. Yeah. And look, I I don't think he'd be terrible for that job. I mean, he's been in the SEC. He's he's turned a program like Kentucky into what it what it has been. And we all know last season because the, the knock on him, and I've heard you say this, is he could recruit, but he couldn't develop. Well, he showed last year that he could, that they developed that talent, and we saw what it resulted in. But it, it will be interesting to see if if he really is high on that list. We'll come back, start the third hour with silly underdog picks. That's next.